welcome, welcome, welcome once again to another episode of Dead Men Talking. I'm Arnie Harper. I'm Buddy Johnson. How are you today, Bud? I'm doing great. Great, great. Look, looking out a window at a beautiful, sunshiny day. Yeah, you know, we need, probably need to rethink this because I stare at a door with a rhinoceros on it when we do our podcast, and you get to look out the window. One of the most majestic creatures that God created, Arnie. Mm-hmm. I'm taking it for granted, aren't I? I think so. So not that I want to look at the rhinoceros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got a better view than I do. I can always yeah. turn around and you couldn't hear me like that right there. But uh anyway, what's new and exciting? Um that's a great question. We had um some company over the weekend. That's uh, fun. Yeah, we did. A wonderful young lady that one of my children is uh, in a relationship with, we'll put it that way. Yeah. All right. Well, that was cool. Got to do the uh, the Sevier County thing, ride go karts, eat corn dogs, all that kind of stuff. I don't know if they did all that. No, we didn't. We didn't go. I mean, it was their time, yeah. so they had yeah. a great, they had a great time together. Wonderful family, wonderful young lady. But yeah, I, they just uh, they had a a day to be together, so they were together. So yeah. they were running around all over the place, but. Well, cool. Well, cool. So uh, what are we talking about today? Last episode, we talked about one of kind of a pet peeve thing for me when people bring up the idea that if you're going to be a Christian, you better live up to all of the Old Testament laws. And so we kind of worked through that and how we actually can address that as Christians. Well, today we're going to do something similar. Uh, One of our listeners (laughs) had an idea and suggested that we talk about this aspect of the world saying to we as Christians, you can't point out our sin. You can't say anything to us because God told you not to judge. And so they attempt to silence us by saying, you can't judge me. So I think that's going to be a a good subject for us to address today. Yeah, that sounds really good. I, uh, you know, often you hear those kind of comments or you'll hear people that bring up, oh, Judge not, lest you be judged, right? Exactly. And so we'll talk about that and what God really means by that. It's really interesting also when you think about how in our cancel culture of today, um, the crowd that you would probably think of as being the most likely to say, do not judge. Well, they have run rampant with judging. They, they've they done that yeah. to such, yeah, to such an extent that you know they have become the law, the judge, the jury, and the executioner of any idea, any philosophy, any opinion that doesn't match theirs. Yet when it comes to the Christian, they would look at us and say, oh, don't judge us for our philosophies, for ideologies, for our behaviors. Don't judge us for those. God told you not to. Yeah. Their standard continues to move to me- to fit whatever the narrative is of the day, right? Yes, exactly. Well, and one of the things that we talked about when we were trying to decide what to talk about today was um, the subject matter of when you have a discussion with someone about God. And we will do a podcast about this, maybe the very next one, but that, that idea that what you're doing in that discussion is you're trying to hit a moving target yeah. because their God is a God of their own creation, a God of their own opinion. And so therefore it's so, it's so fluid that it's difficult when you're trying to speak of something that is objective and has a standard. So the two kind of do fit together and they've taken that and ran with it. And, and it does fit into the idea of judge not because 
they just are wide open, but they're going to judge us. Our target is a little easier. We have a standard, and we're going to talk about that. Yeah. So we have a standard that we're held to. They do not, and it, and it does kind of fit in. So we'll we'll kind of explore some of that today, and then maybe in the next one we'll look at that All as right, well. Where are we going to launch off Well, uh, to kind of start with this, to understand what God means when he says don't judge. So I'm going to start with an illustration. Imagine that someone is walking toward a cauldron of boiling hot lava. Okay, so if they are walking toward that and I know it and I just let them go, I know they're moving towards certain death. I have judged them in a sense. I have judged them to condemnation. They are condemned to die uh, because I am doing nothing. I, I know, I see the danger, I'm aware of it, I'm doing nothing. So I am condemning them as not worthy of being saved. Whether it's an inconvenience to me, it's awkward to me, I don't care enough, whatever it is, I have passed judgment on them. So that's one aspect, and we'll come to that when we look at the text, but that's one way when God says do not judge, he's saying that. He's saying don't classify someone as irredeemable. Don't condemn them to death by inaction. That's one aspect of it. Another way to look at it is imagine them walking toward that same cauldron. And so I, I know they're walking toward the cauldron, but what I say is, uh, hey, you know, here, put on this asbestos suit. Uh, here, hold on to this uh, tray of ice cubes or this bag of ice. Um, you know, here's a water pistol. Uh, so make sure you do this. And then when you fall into the cauldron, squirt the water pistol three times, dump the bag of ice over your head and stop, drop and roll. Okay, so I come up with all of these things that I believe or that I feel and all these actions and works, and I tell them, if you do this, you'll be okay. Well, what's the reality? They're going to wear their asbestos suit. They're going to strap themselves in the weight of all of these works kinds of things. They're going to do all these things, but when they fall into the lava, they're still going to die. And so when God says don't judge, another aspect of what he's saying is don't load people down with a works mentality and all kinds of uh, formulas and uh, religious exercises and those kinds of things. You need to have all of that stuff removed from your vision so that you can see clearly the truth, which is grace through faith. And so to judge somebody, two aspects that we're going to find ultimately is one, I judge them when I condemn them by doing nothing or I see them as irredeemable. Two, when instead of giving them grace through faith, what I'm doing is loading them down with religion. So that's kind of a preview as to where we're going. Um, something that we have to look at is this. What did God tell us to do? When it comes to whether or not we should, quote, judge or ever confront or ever share with anybody um, that they're on the wrong path, what is it that God's told us to do? That's where we start. One, he told us to make disciples. Uh, we have two big picture things as Christians, right? The great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself, and the great commission, which is to make disciples as you're going, as you're living, as a foundational part of who you are, make disciples. We're making disciples basically uh, means this. It means to evangelize. That's the gospel. I cannot evangelize unless I uphold the nature of God. I clearly portray and proclaim the sin of man and Jesus as the solution. So there's no way 
without upholding the standard of God, without revealing that man does not fit that standard, and then lifting up Jesus as the Savior. There's no way that I can do that without confronting sin. There's no way I can do that without the world discerning or feeling like that I am judging them, but yet that is one of the fundamental things that God's told us to do is to evangelize. Right. And there has to be a there has to be a set solid standard of, you know, what is good, what is evil, why do you need uh, a savior, all of that. And so obviously sin has to be addressed, right? Exactly. You 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 cannot ignore that. And then the second part of being a disciple is to instruct in the word, of course. And God tells us as we instruct in the word, and these are some pieces that get left out of a lot of preaching, but he says, convince, rebuke, and exhort. Um, so as Christians, not just as pastors, but as Christians, we're told to evangelize, which is uphold God's nature, point out that man's sin does not reach that standard, and that there is a desperate need for a Savior. But then even once saved, what we're moving them toward is instruction in the Word. Convince means to hold up the truth. So again, here's the truth. Here's the standard. Rebuke literally means to come alongside that truth and to show, reveal uh, with discernment where man does not meet that standard. So Inherent in teaching and instructing in the Word of God is the idea of showing where we do not fit, we do not reach that standard. We don't meet that standard. And then convince, rebuke, and exhort means to encourage people by faith to come with God into the right way. So the idea of evangelization and of instruction, uh, which both of those are parts of making a disciple, you cannot do those without bringing up the issue of sin based on God's standard. Right, right. Well, and that's always the ultimately where you the rub is none of us want to face our own sin, our own faults, our own failures. You know, we it's much easier for us to identify and point fingers at those and others than in ourselves. Exactly, exactly. And so the world says this, don't judge me. And here's what they're really saying. Don't measure my life by your standard. Right. Don't measure my life by your standard. The only standard that I will accept is my own opinion. Yeah. Yeah, that and that really is the point of that and the misuse of that is that often the misunderstanding is that when someone makes some kind of judgment or discernment, the assumption is you're using that standard of yourself. And that's not always the case when we as Christians view something or have a conversation and it appears there's some type of judgment or discernment going on. You know, it would be wrong if that's the standard, if I'm comparing someone else to me, absolutely that's wrong. That's you're exactly right. And that that is the issue. That's where they're right. You know, so often in all Correct. of these disagreements right. and debates is uh and discussions, event, whatever you want to call it, uh, there is the the aspect in which the world sometimes is right in the way they are approaching us. And that's true. Exactly what you just said. If it is my opinion versus yours, then I have no right. I have no ground. I have no authority. I have no reason uh, to bring up anything about the way you're living. Uh, so basically what they're saying is, though, 
is you keep your sin, I'll keep mine. So leave me alone. Don't judge me. Uh, don't bring your opinion to bear. I'll keep my sin. You keep yours. You know, doggone it, good and well, that you're a sinner too, that you're not perfect. So since you're not perfect and I'm not perfect, then let me just live in my imperfection. I'll leave you alone. You live in your imperfection. I'll leave you alone. But the point is not that. The point is, is there's a higher standard. It's not our opinion. It is the opinion of God. So, but to approach it from a whole, uh, maybe even a more basic way, is this idea of them not wanting a standard. So let's say we've moved past, we've let them know, okay, hey, this is not my opinion. This is the standard of God. Well, what they're basically saying is, I, I don't want a standard outside myself. Correct. Uh, when it comes to my spirituality, my view of God, I don't want a standard outside of me. But every aspect of our life is absolutely filled with standards outside of ourselves. One is weights and measures. You know, uh, I, I guess we live in an age where you can identify as something else. Well, I want to identify as a 180 pounder like I was in <laughs> high school. You know, but I can't do that. There's a standard weight. 16 ounces is a pound. And when I step on that scale, there's a lot more 16 ounces than 180. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just how it is. There's a standard of weights and measures. There's a standard when it comes to our prescriptions. You know, when my doctor writes out a prescription, they say that based upon my weight and height and age and all those things and my condition, there's a certain milligram of medication that I need. Well, it's pretty important that a milligram is standard, right? That the, that the pharmacist and the doctor don't have two different ideas about what a milligram is, or it could either not cure me or kill me. So everybody accepts that there's a standard when it comes to that math, science, language, they're standards. Certain words mean certain things. I want my uh, day off to be a month long. There you go. But it actually is only 24 hours. Yeah, but no, I mean, no. <laughs> but, but but why is that right, Arnie? Is that just your opinion? You know? I mean, hey. You I know, think you... I'm going to run that by my boss. <laughs> so well, you... who, who are you to set the standard for what a day is? There you go. Don't judge. Is your boss a Christian? Then you can say, don't judge me. 24 hours <laughs> means this to me. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's exactly right. Time, uh, everything, driving speeds, we have all of these standards. So then you have to ask yourself, why does somebody rebel against a standard? Well, the first thing, the first reason I would rebel against a standard is when I obviously don't measure up. I thought about this, you know, when, when you go to ride a roller coaster, there's usually a little cartoon character or something standing there with its hand up and it says, you must be this height in order to ride this ride. Well, I can remember as a kid trying to like walk past that real fast. You know, I, I didn't like that little cart. It might be Yosemite Sam or whoever it was or Bugs Bunny or whatever, or Mickey Mouse. Well, he was going to decide whether you were going to get to ride that ride or not. Yeah. And doggone it. Who is he to pass judgment on me? <laughs> you know, his stupid cartoon character. I want to ride this ride. You know, this is, but, but when I know that I'm not going to measure up, I don't like the standard. Another is when I just, when I plan to cheat or in the context of spiritual things, sin, um, I, I, I'm going to rebel against that standard. I don't want that standard. I'm going to try to demean that standard. I'm going to do anything I can do to avoid that. Cause I'm already planning on doing something that I know is outside of that standard, which fits into this when it impedes my lifestyle. 
Um, I know how I want to live. And there's this standard that says I shouldn't live that way. So what am I going to do? Am I going to change or am I going to discount that standard? Or, or in, in the case of what we're talking about with people who try to attack that, am I going to do an ad hominem kind of thing and attack the standard bearer or attack the one who dare right. apply the standard to my life? So, you know, I don't want to be exposed. This standard exposes me. Uh, you know, if I have to be that height and that standard's there, well, it exposes that I'm not I don't fit there. Well, that's the uh, so that's the lifelong battle for all of us. We all have this uh, desire within ourselves to set our own standard of uh, what is right and wrong. Everyone, that's our battle, and we as Christians understand that the standard is set by God, but we still have that battle. So that ultimately is what this misuse of this verse has always been about and will always be about is we're confronted with what standard are we going to live our lives by and what standard is, you know, so we as Christians are usually on the backside of that comment. It's being fired at us. Judge not lest you be judged. But that's the problem is oftentimes we're just saying this is the standard God has set. You know, we're calling people to to, to see the standard so hopefully they, like we, could see how much we fall short of his standard. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's another another reason that I rebel against the standard is because I see it as unjust. Well, right. And so, because, yeah. Yeah, and it's unjust if if it's just my opinion versus yours. So if if what I think is measured by what you think, and that's the only standard then I can see that as unjust because you are asking me to do something uh, based upon your opinion of me. And you're right. I mean, there's a standard that's higher than that, that, you know, that we are representing maybe, but that's why it's so important that we uphold the nature of God, that we approach it from the idea that God has this standard and it's outside of both of us. So in a conversation, you know, if, if we are talking with someone about uh, lifestyle choices or particular behaviors or attitudes or ideologies or philosophies or whatever, religious ideas, if we're talking to them, then we have to put in the forefront this idea there's God and there's this standard and he's revealed what this standard is. And then we get to the idea of, okay, how do we as mankind not just you and your particular flavor of sin, but all of us as human beings, how do we fall short of that standard? Um, so that's kind of where we're going. So now Matthew 7 or Luke chapter 6. Uh, in Matthew 7, you have, that's that's the text, right? Judge not lest ye be judged, if you're a King James person, right? Yeah. <laughs> Do not judge or you will be judged. What is it that God is saying? Well, here's the first thing that God is really referring to there. He's saying don't condemn people is irredeemable. That's what we talked about, like walking toward the volcano. Uh, don't, just con don't just condemn them in that way. And the second thing that we really find when we look at the Matthew text and the Luke text is that what he's saying is that there's the famous log, right? Uh, the idea, move, you've got a log in your eye, so move that out of your eye. Uh, and and that's your problem. So really, here's how the world interprets that. Don't say anything to me because you've got a whole bunch of sins, and when you reach sinless perfection, then you can have the audacity to say something to me about my sin. Yeah. And that's not what's going on at all. 
Uh, it's it's a context. If you get to the end of it, God says, so that you can see to remove the speck out of your brother. The whole context is, is you being able to intervene with your brother to do something that would bring him closer to God. Uh, it's not keep your mouth shut. You're not God. It's, it's okay. What needs to happen here for you to be able to apply the standard of God to someone else's life that they may be brought closer to him. Right. So that's a whole different uh, approach just from the get go. Um, the log is not our sins. The log is not my particular sin or your particular sin. The law is a misunderstanding of how we come to God. Uh, if you in, in the Luke chapter six text, it talks in in the context of that discussion. It mentions the idea of of blind leading the blind. That a blind person can't bring somebody else to safety. Uh, and then it's right in the middle of all that uh, where it's talking about the uh, the judging and then the idea of removing the log. Right in between that, in the middle of that, is this idea of the blind. So the log speaks of us not having light, not having truth. So God is saying to us or saying to them and and translating to us this idea. He's talking to a bunch of people that were raised with a very self-righteous attitude uh, that believed that they were special people just by virtue of their birth uh, and, and who they were, that they were inherently good because of that, and that because of their religious practices, they had a right to be next to God, a log. So they had this sin, they had the sin problem, plus they had the log problem in their eyes that kept them from being able to tell people the right way. So what God is saying here is this log is blocking the light from you. This log of not understanding the truth that salvation is going to come by grace through faith. So if you're going to help your brother remove the sin problem from his heart, then you first have to have this log of your own self-righteousness and works-based religion, works-based salvation. You're going to have to have that removed from your eyes so that you can then see see clearly to remove the speck of sin from your brother's eyes. So if we look at the two texts that we mentioned, uh, Matthew chapter 7 and the Luke chapter 6, in Matthew 7, 1, it says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. So taking in the context of what we're saying, do not look at someone else and condemn them as irredeemable. Do not look at someone else and approach them as if you have to lay all of your religion or right. your self-righteousness on them. For you will be treated as you treat others. In other words, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna tell others that they have to add all this stuff into grace, then I'm gonna judge you by that too. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. So that's what God is talking about. This works kind of based religion. And why worry about a speck, the sin in your friend's eye, when you have a log, this blindness towards your own sin and the works self-righteous approach to it. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck of your sin when you can't see past the log of your own self-righteousness, the works-based religion that's in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of this mentality of works-based religion in your own eye. Then you will see enough, you will see grace through faith alone to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So obviously I'm adding a lot to that, but that's in the context of what they're saying. Now in the Luke chapter 6 version of that same account, <clears throat> in verse 37, 
It says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Same thing. Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. So there's there's that idea that what God is talking about is a kind of judgment of, as condemning someone as irredeemable. So you don't even deal with them or you just see them as lost. You, you're letting them walk into the cauldron of law. Right. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. So you have to have this heart of compassion. Give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaken together to make room for more. What is that? This is grace. This is grace that's coming not by your works, but what God is giving. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Then Jesus gave the following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Somebody that's got a log in their eye of self-righteous, works-based religion, can they lead somebody else truly to God? No, both will fall into a ditch. Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. What was the teacher like? He was proclaiming repentance and that salvation would be by grace through faith. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So God is not saying... Don't uphold a standard. God is not saying don't compare or critique someone else's philosophies, ideas, or lifestyle based upon the standard of God. He's saying uphold that standard and then to point people to grace. Right. That it's not works. It's not the law. Don't don't condemn them as irredeemable and so ignore them and keep your mouth shut. It's the exact opposite. Speak up. But uphold the standard of God and do so in such a way that you are pointing them not toward religion and laying all this on them, this burden of weight of works, but point them to grace through faith. So in essence, when they say don't judge what the world means by judging, <laughs> when we keep our mouth shut like that, that's when we are judging. Right. We're, we're judging them to condemnation and to life separated from God because we don't have the truth. We are not taking the truth of the light of God by removing our old works mentality, our own self-righteousness, so that we can see to point them to grace. So what they think is that we judge when we speak. It's actually when we're silent that we are judging them in the way God says not to. Yeah, very good. Uh, ultimately, that's the heart of that is is we want to we want to share we want to show God's standard and we want to show people like we as other as Christians have learned that we uh fall incredibly short of that and desperately desperately need a savior and that the only way is through grace and mercy uh of the standard bearer gives us through uh, the life, death, and resurrection of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so to kind of wrap it up, when, when we approach this idea of do not judge, the first thing is we are making sure that people understand that what we're talking about is God's standard, not our own. Correct. Uh, this is not my opinion. Uh, this is God's standard of which I fall short. Uh, so I'm admitting my imperfection. So I uphold God's standard. I admit my imperfection. God has this standard. I fall short of this. And then I come at it through compassion that I, that I really care. Uh, I'm concerned about someone. They can see that. They can sense that. 
in our demeanor. Uh, they know whether we're trying to win a debate, whether we're trying to destroy them in uh, a verbal interaction, or whether or not we really are genuinely concerned about them. And then the ultimate key is to cut to the cross. Uh, that's the truth, to, to cut to the cross, because a debate about whether or not their particular sin or my particular sin is the same or different or whether or not we should even be discussing each other's is irrelevant. The idea is that we have all sinned against God, and there is a cross by which that was dealt with, that the penalty that deserved was paid for. And so we are cutting to the cross. It doesn't become a debate about me uh, trying to evaluate their particular behaviors against mine, but upholding God's standard, really honestly caring about them and taking them then to the cross so they can find grace there. Yeah. Very good. Very good. That's a really good conversation today. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting how certain things become battles, isn't it? <laughs> you know, to, <laughs> to go back and forth uh, with those things. But the, the world is always going to be opposed to the truth. We as Christians must become very acquainted with it so that we can then proclaim it to others. All right, my friend. Always good to hang out with you. All right. Hope you have a good week. We'll see you next time on Dead Men Talking.